Section 6 of The Pearl Fountain and Other Fairy Tales This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. The Pearl Fountain and Other Fairy Tales by Bridget and Julia Cavanaugh Fire and Water Fern had two brothers, Fire and Water. She was reared with Water and loved him dearly, for he was frolicsome, and leaped about her, and laughed and sang. And Fern, who was always in a sort of dream, sat in the shade and listened to him, and looked at him through her half-shut eyes, and thought him in his blue coat shot with green and trimmed with silver, the handsomest lad that had ever been. But Fire had been reared by his uncle, Sultan Sol, at the other end of the world, and Fern was grown up when she saw him first. She thought she must have fainted at his appearance, she was so frightened, for Fire had red hair to begin with, and the most angry-looking eyes. "'Oh, don't come near me, pray don't!' cried poor Fern, "'or I shall die!' "'Wait, my dear,' said Fire, taking a pair of blue spectacles out of his pocket, and put him them on. My uncle Sultan Sol gave me these for fear of accidents. Yes, but don't come near me, still cried Fern, shrinking in horror. You wear a scarlet coat, and scarlet is a cover I never could bear. Fire did wear a scarlet coat lined with gold, and he thought it very fine, but he wished to please Fern, so he said again, Wait, my dear, my uncle Sultan Sol gave me a cloak that is the very thing. Just see. So saying, he took a brown cloak out of his pocket, for it was so soft and so fine that he could make it up ever so small, and spreading it out, he put it around him. That is my smoke cloak, he said, but to tell you the truth, I only put it on when I am out of temper. So pray do not ask me to wear it often. Well, now that it is on, you do not see my scarlet coat, do you? Oh, yes, yes, I do, replied Fern, shuddering. Pray get another cloak. This is too thin. Oh, I can make it as thick as I like, replied Fire. Only, the thicker it is, the more ill-tempered I feel. Never mind, said Fern, I cannot bear the sight of Scarlet. Fire frowned and looked quite angry, but he did thicken his cloak, and so it thickened and thickened till it looked almost black. Well, I suppose you will let me kiss you now, said he, going up to Fern. But she uttered a little cry. Kiss me, she said. Do you mean to scorch me up? Fire, who was always ill-tempered when he had his brown smoke-cloak on, did not mind her a bit, and was going to take her up in his arms and kiss her, when water leaped on his back, he liked a practical joke, and clapped his arms around his neck. Now, water was always cool, and if there was a thing Fire hated, it was cold, besides people so rarely took liberties with him that he now got angry with his own brother. Let me go, will you? he cried, foaming and hissing with rage. 
Let me go, or I shall make you repent it. I am not afraid of you, old fellow, said Water, laughing and giving him a slight kick in the ribs. You cannot do anything to me, you know. Fire tried to shake him off, but he could not. Then he thought to take off his spectacles and burn him up with his angry eyes. But Water had a little squirt ready for him, and Fire put his spectacles on again in a hurry. Then he attempted to pull off his cloak, but Water breathed upon it so that the cloak grew thicker and thicker, and Fire had scarcely breath left to cry out, I say, do you mean to smother me? This sobered Water, who let Fire go, and declared he meant it all as fun. The brothers became friends again, but Fern would not let Fire come near her, and though she agreed to love him, she informed him that it must be at a distance. Well then, said Fire, I think I shall travel and see the world a bit. So will I, said Water. You will not mind my leaving you, Fern, will you? Oh, no, answered Fern, I shall not. To say the truth, she was rather pleased that both her brothers should go away for a while. She could not help being afraid of fire in her heart, and Water had become troublesome of late. He had such high spirits. The two brothers agreed to travel together, and Fern, still sitting in the shade, wished them a happy journey, and promised to wait for them there, and not marry till they came back. Suppose we get you a husband, Fern, said Fire, who was good-natured and liked his sister. A fine, bright young fellow, ever so lively. No, no, said Water. Fern wants a cool, steady man, don't you, Fern? You know nothing about it, either of you, said Fern saucily. I want the wise man. What makes you want him, Fern? asked Water. Well, I want him because he is wise, and I am foolish, replied Fern. Besides, I have heard that he lives in a wonderful place, and I have a fancy for a house of my own. It is very pleasant, no doubt, to live as I do. But I should like shelter in winter and shade in summer. And when we have got the wise man, Fern, said Fire, are we to bring him to you, or to take you to him? I don't know, answered Fern, but I do know that I shall not stir. I have never walked one step, and I am not going to begin now, am I? I was born sitting, sitting I will live, and sitting I will die. Well, Fire and Water again bade Fern good-bye and went on their way. They promised Fern that they would look for the wise man, also that they would not quarrel, but the brothers had not walked half a mile when they began to disagree. It was all about the wise man, and where he was to be found. I know, said Fire, my uncle, Sultan Sol, has a brass palace on the top of a burning mountain, and I feel pretty sure the wise man lives there. Let us go to it, and take this path to the right. No, no, said Water. He lives in a clear glass house on a green island. I have seen the place again and again, and this road to the left will take us to it in no time. As if a wise man would live in a glass house, sneered Fire. 
Why not as well as in a brass palace on the top of a burning mountain? asked Water, getting angry. In short, the brothers had a quarrel, and only agreed in one thing, and that was to part company. Fire took the path to the right, and Water the road to the left, and each turned his back on the other. Don't get into trouble, said Water, nodding over his shoulder at Fire as he walked away. You are a very mischievous fellow, you know, Fire. Not half so mischievous as you, with your sly, quiet ways, answered Fire, blazing up. So don't you get into trouble, Brother Water. No fear of that, replied Water. I do good. And so do I, retorted Fire. And so they went on quarrelling, until they were out of sight and hearing. Well, they did get into trouble, both of them, for they were mischievous when they meddled, and this was the way of it. Fire walked on until towards night, and a very cold night it was, he came to an old tumble-down house just outside the town, for Fire likes town much better than country. This house belonged to a miser, who lived in it alone with his little grandchild. Fire pushed the door open, and walked into the kitchen. He found the miser sitting there at the grate, where two or three bits of coal were just going out, and his grandchild crouched in the corner, and crying with the cold. "'What is that child crying for?' asked Fire. "'Children are always crying,' answered the miser. "'That child cries because it is cold,' said Fire. "'How can I help its being cold?' answered the miser. "'Make those coals burn,' said Fire. "'I can't,' said the miser. The bellows wants mending. But it was not true. He only wanted to spare the coals. I shall make them burn for you, said Fire. He opened his mouth, and there shot up such a blaze as you never did see, and Fire got into the blaze, and roared up the chimney, shouting hurrah. He got out of the top, and leapt about the roof, and presently the house, which was old, began to burn. Fire laughed to hear it crackle and to see it shrivel up, and he never thought of the child. He only thought what rare fun this was. He soon found out, however, that fun gets people into mischief. The miser's house kindled the house next to it, and that lit another house, and so on. And though the miser's house was the only one that was burned down, all the people of the town agreed that Fire was a mischievous fellow, and turned him out, warning him never to show his face there again. For a long time after parting with his brother, Water met no one, and he felt rather dull. But at length, as he was walking by a little stream, he saw a bridegroom, who was going to fetch his bride. "'Good morning,' said Water. "'We are walking the same way, I believe. I shall be glad of your company, master.' I dare say you will, if you get it, answered the bridegroom, but I want none of yours. I am going to fetch my bride. Oh, then I must go with you, said Water. I want to see the bride. The bridegroom laughed and looked quite scornful. See his bride indeed. Why, surely, remarked Water, a cat may look at the king. As to that, replied the 
bridegroom, sneering, we shall pass by here, on our way home from church, so if you will wait till we come back, you may look at the bride and welcome, but you shall not come with me. Water was very much affronted, but he did not pretend to be so, and merely saying he would wait, he sat down on a big stone nigh the little stream, whilst the bridegroom got into a boat, and rowed himself across. At the end of an hour or so, there was a great sound of music, singing and laughing, and Water saw the bridal party on the other side of the stream. The bride was beautifully dressed, with a wreath of flowers on her head, and the bridegroom walked by her side as vain as a peacock. When he saw Water, he nodded and laughed. "'You may look at the bride now,' said he. "'Thank you,' answered Water. The bridegroom handed the bride into the boat, and she sat down. But just as he was going to get in and sit down by her, the stream swelled and swelled until it became a river, and the boat, with the bride in it, went sailing down and was soon out of reach. The bridegroom stamped and tore his hair. The bridesmaids screamed, and everyone ran up and down, shouting, and still the bride and the boat went floating down till they came to a mill and were stopped by the miller. The stream was so swollen, however, that the bridegroom had to go down ever so far before he could find a bridge and join his bride. He shook his fist at Water. He was in such a rage. But goodbye, said Water, and he went away laughing. Fire and Water had a good many other adventures of the same kind, whilst they were looking for the wise man. They meant no harm, yet they always got into mischief, and the last trouble they had was the worst of all. It so happened that after going round the world, the two brothers came back to the very spot where they had parted, and that whilst fire entered the forest at one end, water got into it at the other. Fire had not walked long before he met a hare running for her life. "'What is the matter?' asked fire. The deer is hunting me, said the hare, and she was gone. Presently the deer came running by, and Fire asked him what was the matter. I am hunting the hare, answered the deer, and the fox is hunting me. After another while the fox went past. What is the matter? asked Fire. I am hunting the deer, said the fox, and the hounds and the huntsmen are hunting me and he too was gone. Then came the hounds and the huntsmen, and when Fire asked them what was the matter, We are hunting the hare, the deer, and the fox, said they. Then I shall hunt them with you, said Fire. Look, and see what I can do. With that he opened his mouth and breathed, and he shook his hair, and presently the branches of the trees began to kindle, and after a while the forest was in a blaze. Now Water, after resting some time near an aqueduct which crossed the forest, was going on again, when he heard a great uproar. He looked and saw the hare running and panting. "'What ails you?' said he. "'Oh,' answered the hare, "'the deer was hunting me when fire came and set all the forest in a blaze, and now we shall all be burned to death.' Then the deer came up, with the tears running down his cheeks. We must all die, said he. It is no use going away. 
and he laid himself down. Then came the fox. We shall be burned alive, said he. I do not care for the hounds now. Then the hounds and the huntsmen, barking, shouting, all came on together, and all gathered in one spot, because there was no going any further, through fire having hemmed them in. Oh ho, said Water, you are at your tricks, are you, my lad? Wait a bit. With that he got on the aqueduct, and opened it everywhere, till the river that was within came out and spread all over the forest, and Fire had to put his smoke cloak on as fast as he could. But as the river spread and spread and got higher and higher, the hare, the deer, and the fox, the hounds, and the huntsmen all cried out, We shall be drowned! You are worse than fire! Let us out! Let us out! But Water only said, Don't be afraid! And he walked away. He had not walked far before he met fire, and said to him, Well, old fellow, you have been at your tricks again, but I have settled you. You have settled the hare, the deer, the fox, and the hounds, and the huntsmen, answered Fire, and you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Upon that they had another quarrel, and they only made it up when they heard a great hue and cry behind them. They looked and saw the hare, the deer, the fox, the hounds, and the huntsmen, all pursuing them, for they had escaped somehow, and they had agreed to hunt fire and water and kill them if they could. Fire and water now had to run for life, and they ran till they were far out of the forest, and they came to a cavern, where they got in to hide. At first they saw nothing, it was so dark, but after a while they were aware of a little man who sat on a stone with a big black dragon at his feet. They were so frightened at the sight of the dragon that they wanted to run away, but the little man called them back. Who are you? he asked. We are fire and water, they answered. And who are you? I am the wise man. Fire and water were very glad to have found the wise man at last, but they did not dare to go nearer to him on account of the dragon. Don't be afraid of him, said the wise man. I have only just finished him, and he will not stir hand or foot. He is the finest dragon that ever was but he is also the laziest. I have coaxed him, I have threatened him, I have just given him a whipping, and he will not stir. I wanted him to take me about, for I am tired of being here, and as you see, I harnessed him to a nice little car, in which I was to sit, but if he will not go, what am I to do? Does he bite? asked Water. Bite? I tell you, he will not stir. I shall make him stir, said Water. Yes, said Fire, I think we can make your dragon gallop if we set about it. Water went and opened the dragon's back, and got inside of the beast, and shut himself up again. Then Fire leapt on the dragon's neck, and taking hold of his horns he urged him to go. At first the dragon would not stir, but looked blacker and more sulky than ever. Then when he felt water within him, and fire on his back, he got angry. His big eyes glowed like two coals, and he bubbled and hissed and spluttered till even the wise man kept at a distance from him. But neither fire nor water were afraid, 
Water stayed within him, and fire worked his horns, till the dragon could bear it no longer, and with the great snort and the smoke and steam coming out of his nostrils, darted out of the cavern. Stop, stop, cried the wise man. Don't go without me. He had only time to jump into his little car, for once the dragon was off, neither fire nor water could stop him, when they were out scouring through the country. As they flew along, they met the hunt still in pursuit of the two brothers. On seeing fire, the huntsmen raised a great cry and urged their horses. But fire gave the alarm to water, and the two managed the dragon so well that the hare, the deer, the fox, the hounds, and the huntsmen were out of sight in no time. Fern was terribly frightened when she saw the black dragon, and fire getting off his back, and water coming out of his inside, but when the wise man stepped out of his little car, and praised her brothers for the clever way in which they had managed his big black dragon, Fern was better pleased. Still, she could not agree to marry the wise man, till he had promised to build her a beautiful palace all of glass, which he did without loss of time. When the palace was built, the wise man put Fern in it, and took her away in his little car. Water got inside the dragon, and fire on his back, and off they went again, and from that time forward fire and water agreed. End of section 6. Recording by phone.